Well, praise the Lord. If you've got your Bibles, turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And I want to mention a couple things before we get there. First of all, I want to welcome a dear friend and co-pastor in our city, Pastor Isaac Petrie. Why don't you go ahead and stand? I just want to say thank you for coming. Um, we have been friends 25 years here in Texarkana ministering together, and uh, we've done a number of uh, kind of Unite the City events around racial troubles, around, you know, all the troubles in our city, and uh, he's a dear friend. We welcome him here. I told him today he, I'll make him an honorary member, but if he comes back next week, he's just one of us, so he's got a choice he has to make. Well, praise the Lord. Listen, let me mention a couple things to you. You know, every one of us want to grow spiritually. Every one of us want to have a more vibrant relationship with God. And I want to suggest a couple things that I promise you will work. Um, I have been a Christian 45 years, and I have owned a lot of Bibles. But the, the, my favorite study Bible of all my life is what's called the Spirit-Filled Life Study Bible. Uh, it's an excellent translation. It's got tons of great footnotes on every page. It's got word definitions. It's got historical background. But uh, one of the most important things is it lifts up the present-day ministry of the Holy Spirit. And uh, very well scholarly done. And uh, my goal is that everyone in our church would have one of these. And uh, we just got a couple more cases in. Uh, we're just selling them for our cost. And uh, because I want everybody to have one, you can pick it up in the connect room. And uh, there's a couple cases today. But second thing, I want to reiterate what Pastor Mike mentioned about our life groups. You know, it's great to come to church on the weekends. Great to have a donut and maybe smile at someone. But I don't know about you, but I need real friends. I need people I can share life with. I need people, someone uh, that more than just kind of knows what I look like, but someone that knows me. It's called Christian Fellowship. And this is what happens when we do our life groups on Wednesday night. And this Wednesday, uh, right here in the sanctuary, we're having what's called our life group launch. It'll start at 6.30 with prayer in the sanctuary, and about 7 o'clock uh, we'll have a little worship, and then we're going to introduce to you, I think we have close to 40 different life groups that'll meet on Wednesday night. We've got other groups meeting throughout the month. We've got Sunday morning activities, and uh, it is the perfect time for you to be able to identify with a, a group you want to try and check out. So I hope you'll, hope you'll be a part of that. Uh, last year, we, uh, last year, last week, we began a, began a series called "Return to God, America," and it was a different type of uh, a message. Um, and I, I, I function as a pastor. Uh, my role is to teach the Bible every weekend to help you make the Bible uh, understood and the practical issues of life. But I want to step in the role of the prophet this morning, and I would, I, I believe, I have a message for America. Now, I know this is a limited crowd that's here today, but yet my voice is a voice to the nation today because our nation is in trouble. We had more evidence this week of the trouble in America as we looked at the humiliation in Afghanistan, arguably one of the greatest failures of our nation that we have experienced as we watch the trouble that it left behind in this 20-year war. We also, this week, if you watch the news, there were horrible floods on the East Coast. Many lives were lost. And one of the tragedies this week, uh, medical people came out as well as some government officials and said, you're going to have to get a third COVID shot because the first one's not quite working well enough. It's losing some of its potency. And, uh, you know, uh, it's just what we're doing is not enough. Well, all these are signs to me that America is in trouble. 
All these are signs to me, that more signs to me, that God has lifted his hand of blessing from our lives. Our world is filled with chaos. Our world is horribly divided. We are divided on so many levels. But we, uh, I, what I have, uh, my suggestion to you is quite plain from the Bible, is the only hope for America to turn herself around is a spiritual awakening. Yeah. Yeah. It is called a revival. It is, I use the phrase, return to God, America. And if you were here last week, we asked the question, what can God's people do to see our nation return to God? Um, we looked at our text, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13. One of the greatest promises to rebuild a nation's spiritual heritage. And the scripture says in 2 Chronicles, and God is speaking. God says, when I shut up the heavens so there's no rain. Well, how many know if you're like us, you just turn the sprinkler on? Or if, if you're like us, you just go to the swimming pool when it's hot. But if you were in a, an agrarian society, if you had to depend on the crops you made to, for your family to survive and grow your animals, how many know you're in big, big trouble? But he didn't stop there. He talked about locusts, but he also said this. He said, if I shut up the heavens and there's no rain, or if I send pestilence among my people. Now, we don't use this phrase, pestilence, very often, but listen to the definition. Pestilence is a contagious disease that can cause an epidemic and even death. Does that sound like possibly COVID to you? I encourage you to at least give thought to the possibility that COVID may be a judgment from God. It may be God trying to shake the attention of the world. It may be more than just a virus, but it may be evidence that God is removing his hand because the people have, been, have, have rejected him and turned their backs away from him. Uh, last week, you remember, he, did, he didn't stop there, but he gives us great hope. He said, if my people who are called by my name shall do four things, say it with me. Number one, humble themselves. Number two, pray. Number three, seek my face. And lastly, turn from their wicked ways. Here's the promise. If we would do that, God said, I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin and heal their land. Well, isn't this exactly what we need? Our land to be healed, the nations of the world to be healed. Well, we started here last week and I want to just remind you of just a couple of the things we talked about. That first phrase, humble ourselves, very abstract. What does that mean? To humble ourselves means to have total dependence on God. And I encourage you to embrace this practice in your life. Every morning when you wake up, before you get your coffee, before you get your shower, as soon as your feet hit the floor, just get down on your knees for about 15 seconds, 30 seconds, and simply say, God, I need you today. Simply say, God, I depend on you, and I cannot live my day without you. I trust you. And then get up and get your shower or whatever, and you'll find your quiet time later. We also said that we're supposed to pray. Now, I mean, no, everybody prays. I'm praying right now. I say, Lord, give me some, a place to dove hunt in about two weeks. Uh, uh, let the doves come down. One of my buddies met me in the hallway and said, man, I was on the way to church this morning and I saw two doves on the power line. But that was it. So I pray for things like, and that's not bad. Maybe that's not your thing. Maybe you pray for, I don't know, vacations. Maybe you pray for fun or whatever you may be, praying for a swimming pool, a car. Those aren't bad things. But how many know in the Lord's Prayer when Jesus taught us to pray, the first thing we pray for, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Listen, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. And then 
Give me daily bread. Lord, give me a limited doves. I don't pray for the doves first. I'm praying for God's will to be done now in our nation. And this will help you be a right prayer. If you don't just ask God for what you need, but if you'll first talk about the needs of the nation. Well, that was last week. And today I want to focus on this fourth phrase. It says, turn from their wicked ways. This is what I believe is the root cause of why people turn away from God. You see, when we say we people should return to God, there's a reason we turn away from God, and that is because we love our wicked ways more than we love our God. I look in the mirror when I say this because life is, life is good to me. Part of returning to God is admitting our sin, asking God to forgive us, and then turning away from these sins. This is a message to me. It's a message to you. It's a message to our nation because we're a nation that's turned our back on God. How many would say, we agree with you there? Listen, God's not welcome in our school systems. God's not welcome in our public places. Uh, our, our world has changed course, and it's not been for the better. Well, today I continue this series, Returning to God, America. And the, 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 the central truth that I want to convey to you today is this, is that sin causes us to turn away from God, but repentance will cause us to renew our relationship with him. We're going to go to the book of Daniel today and learn what Daniel did to help turn his nation around, and then we'll look at the words of John the Baptist. And I think it's going to be a blessing to you. Come on, somebody give the Lord a good hand today. He is worthy of our praise. Daniel chapter 9, if you have your Bible, Daniel, now, mind you, when Daniel is writing, he is a captive. He is a slave in Babylon. When he was a teenager, he was taken from his homeland because God had grown weary with the sins of the people for hundreds of years. And finally, Israel was judged. Their temple was destroyed. Jerusalem was destroyed. And they were taken to live in a foreign land as, as slavery in their day. But now Daniel writes as Daniel the prophet. Daniel has been there for a number of years, and he's looking into the future of the needs of the nation. And listen to what he says. He says, it's the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede. I, Daniel, learned, now listen, from reading the word of the Lord. In other words, he's reading a scroll from Jeremiah's prophecy. It was revealed by Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem would lie desolate for 70 years. Now here's the good news. God judged the nation because of their sin, but God was going to restore the nation. God, they, they, there was consequences for what they did wrong, but God says, look, I'm not done with you. I'm not going to throw you away. And I want to declare to you today, God is not done with America. God is not going to throw our nation away. We are, have been the greatest sending nation in the history of the world in terms of bringing compassion and care and food and freedom to the nations of the world. God could restore this great mantle upon our nation again. Now, Daniel saw, as he read what Jeremiah wrote, and they were contemporary prophets. They were about 100, 125 years apart. Uh, Daniel, uh, Jer Jeremiah wrote first, and then Daniel wrote. But, but Jeremiah real, or Daniel realized that it was going to be 70 years, and God was going to bring the nation back home. In other words, this nation was about to return to, the, to what God had destined for their life. Let me read you Jeremiah's prophecy. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 8. Uh, the Lord says, because you've not listened to me. I would say the same thing to America. 
because we've not listened to him. He said, I'll gather together all the armies of the north under King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. I will completely destroy you, Israel. Now, they were the apple of his eye. They were his favorites. They were the chosen people. But God says sin has so much power, it has the power to destroy. And But then he said this, uh, you're going to serve the king of Babylon 70 years, but after the 70 years of captivity are over, I'm going to punish that king of Babylon, and I'm bringing you home. So uh, history records to us, and by the way, if you're skeptical of the claims of Christianity, if you are skeptical as a, as a, uh, uh, a Bible, whether the Bible is true or not, particularly if you're home and you're just kind of checking this out, I want to encourage you to, to, to do some level of study because fulfilled prophecies are one of the greatest uh, attestations of the fact that the Bible is indeed true in the Word of God. When things are predicted and they happen hundreds or thousands of years later, and this one had happened on that day, um, uh, what happened, history records to us that a new ruler came and took over in this 70-year period. His name was Cyrus, and God put it into the mind of this pagan king to let the Jews go back to their homeland. So that's the setting we find ourselves in, and Daniel has read about this, and he has this light come on, and he realizes God is about to do something great in the nation, so now what do we do? So what I want to ask you to do is let's join into Daniel's thinking. Let's see what Daniel did to help Israel find their way back to God, and we can learn something about our own lives that will affect not only our families, our community, but it will affect our world. Let's, uh, let's keep reading. Look at verse 3. The first thing Daniel did, the Bible says, is he turned to the Lord God. Now, how many know as Christians, sometimes we get off base? Sometimes, I know I get off track sometimes. I know my wife gets off track somewhat often there, but I'm just teasing. I think I married an angel. Uh, she's the godliest person I've ever met, and I'm telling the truth on that. She is godly. I'm still sleeping, and she's up praying, calling out to God. But the first thing Daniel did was he turned to the Lord. And he pleaded with God in prayer and fasting. And we're going to come back to the prayer. But this is strange. He said, I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. Now, I've never worn burlap. But when I was a boy, we farmed, we had animals. And the feed would come in 100-pound sacks. And it smelled really, really good, but it was rough. It was coarse. It's like if you were to wear wool, the scratchy kind of wool, and not wear some kind of undergarment, and how you'd just be scratching all day long. Well, he was dressed like that, and he had ashes that he'd put on his head. Now, what that was, it was not something that you have to do to twist God's arm, but it was an expression of what was in his heart. He was grieving, and he was mourning over the sin of the people. And i got to be honest with you, I, I don't grieve enough over this. I get mad at the sins of the people, and I turn the TV off. I get mad at what I see is happening in Hollywood, mad at what I see happening in, the, in, in our capital. I get mad at what I see is happening on the streets of our major cities. I get mad at what I see happening in our public school systems. By the way, listen, we have great schools here, but across America, we don't have so great schools. Kids are graduating and can't even read, and they can't even write. But I want to tell you, friend, I, I get mad, but I want to ask God to help me not just get mad. Help me grieve over the sins of the nation 
just like he did. Don't let me be self-righteous. Don't let me be the judge. But let me, enter, let me recognize that Satan has pulled him in a ditch. Satan has deceived these people that are doing these insane things that are leading us in same directions. They need God in their life. And if they get saved, how many know they're going to have a radical turnaround just like you and I have had? Well, so this is how he's dressed. But notice what he said about this thing about fasting. Now, fasting, fasting typically, is, we associate it with not eating food or not, uh, not uh, experiencing pleasure for a period of time to humble ourselves, to draw close to God. Now, how many can agree with me and say fasting's a real bummer? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to put my hand up on that one. I have to confess. I don't like to fast, and I don't fast very often. I like to eat. I like to eat good food. I like to eat food that is so good when you put it in your mouth, you stop. And I, I, I like to eat good food that I just wanted to keep appearing on my plate is so good. Anybody else? So the thought of not eating for a while, I mean, I got to be pretty serious. Well, that's a part of it, and it is a part of it. I like pleasure. How about you? I like to have fun. Isn't it strange that virtually any time we meet someone, uh, whether they got off a of vacation, went to school, or went to church, well, what do we ask people? Have a good time. It's like it defines us as who we are, and we can't get enough of it. Now, food is not bad, and pleasure is not bad, but sometimes, as important as they are, we set them aside to draw ourselves closer to God. But there's something else See, religious people of, of the biblical day, they just, they just learned to fast and they did it as a, you know, like religious duty or routine rather than some act of humility and contrition before God. But listen to the other side of this idea of fasting. Isaiah 58, Isaiah said this, this is the kind of fasting I want. Now listen to what he says. Get rid of the mustard and mayonnaise for a week. Is that what he said? No ribs, no chicken, and no fried catfish. Amen. No. Here's what he said. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Justice. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. If, someone, if you've paid someone to do your yard for, for whatever, four hours at a time, and it takes five, pay them the extra, or don't try to get five hours worth of work. Gonna, come on now, out of a four-hour job. Treat people right. Look at verse 7. Share your food with the hungry. It is a theme throughout the Bible. The only problem is th there's not many hungry people on my neighborhood. But I do know people in Haiti today that are hungry. That hurricane that blew through there. Uh, but they're hungry even without the hurricane. And I know a, a, a pastor down there, Jay Threadgill. He was here a few weeks ago. So my wife and I send money every week to feed kids in Haiti because I know 100% is going to those kids, and that's going to be the best meal that they get to eat. I want something. And I don't say this in any way to brag, but I just I was supporting my daughter uh, with $100 a month when she was in Africa. And when her time for Africa came up, I didn't buy more duck decoys for $100 a month. I started feeding kids more. Now, I don't say that for any kind of accolade, but I'm just saying, let this Christian message get inside your heart. Don't just be shallow with it. Get deep with it. Share your food. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those that need them. I don't like this last one. Don't hide from relatives who need your help. 
Now, I'm sure glad that you're my brothers and sisters in Christ. And if I have needs, you're going to help me. Everybody say praise the Lord on that. And I'm just my joke for the day. But is that what it means to fast? Is this what it means to live this set-apart life? Look at verse 8. It must. Then salvation will come to you like the dawn, and your wounds will quickly heal. In other words, as we set ourselves, get on God's track as Christian people, just the basics of loving God and loving our neighbor as ourself, as we just start doing basic practical things every day, every week of our lives, it brings healing to the people around us. And how many know when the people around us are being healed, the nation is being healed? It's not the ground that's sick. It's not an ecological problem we're talking about. We're talking about the hearts and men and women who've turned away from God that need to turn back to God and the way we treat people can make a big big difference come on somebody say praise the Lord now let's get into the heart of the message look at verse 4 uh, his prayer starts and I want you to notice his prayer he said I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed now what I want you to see he's going to encapsulate a longer prayer in these three verses the first thing he confessed was he confessed who God is and what God's promised then he confessed sin and then he appealed to God for the mercy and forgiveness to heal the nation. Listen to what he said. He said, Lord, you're a great and awesome God. How many know God is still a great and awesome God in America? You're a great and awesome God. You always fulfill your covenant promises. You keep your promises of love to those who love you and obey your commands. In other words, we've got to deal with God. As we walk with God, God cares for us. Now he begins to deal with the problem. Look at verse 5. We have what? Sin. sin and done wrong. But notice what he says. He doesn't say you have sinned and those people in Washington have sinned and those people over there have sinned. He, he identified with the sins of the people. The biblical term is identificational repentance. Uh, now, I'm sure Daniel was living, a, 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 he, Daniel wasn't a perfect man and he had his own sins to deal with. But how many know the prophet of God, he was living up there pretty good. He was close to God, but he took the hand of the nation. Rather than the self-righteous judge, he took the hand of the one that was on the street last night that had a gun in their hand ready to kill somebody. He took the hand of the drug dealer. He took the hand of the prostitute's pimp. He took the hand of the one that is trying to, trying to bring destruction and pain. He took their hand and said, God, we've sinned. Have mercy on us. There's something powerful about that. We've sinned and done wrong. He said it the second time. We've rebelled against you. We've scorned your commands. The third time, we, we, we have refused to listen to your servants, the prophets. Oh, Lord, we are covered with shame. Why? Because we sinned against you. Friends, I suggest the same thing is happening to our great nation. This nation that we love is covered with shame because we've sinned against God. But look how he closes it. He says, but the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving even though we've rebelled against him. Listen, I want to tell you, friend, God is more merciful and forgiving than he is apt to judge. And if God did this for the nation of Israel, how many believe that God can forgive and show mercy to the United States of America and that America can turn her heart back to God. Listen, I believe it too. But this, the starting place of a spiritual awakening is an acknowledgement of sin. It is to come to grips with perhaps things that I've called right. 
Maybe I have justified violence against my family as a way to control them. It is a sin against God. Maybe I have justified looking at pornography because, you know, whatever. Everybody's doing it, and my dad did it, and my brother does it, and I enjoy it, so I can do it too. I need that little pleasure in my life. It's a sin against God. See, this is where it starts, looking in our own hearts, but the starting place for a spiritual awakening. You say, what is sin? Sin is simply breaking God's commands. It is failing to do what God asks us to do, whether it's in our thoughts, our words, or our actions. And I wonder if we might just take this point in the service right now and take just a minute and pray for America. Could we just do that? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kneel. You can do whatever you like. But I'm going to lead in prayer, and I want you to just join me in a moment as we confess the sins of our nation today. God, we want to ask you today to forgive us as we have neglected the poor. God, we ask you to forgive us, Lord, when we have been in any way self-righteous or proud. Forgive us, God, when we have turned our back on you. Forgive the nation, God, for taking you out of our public schools, taking the Ten Commandments off the walls of our schools, failing to teach the Bible to the children, failing to teach children that they're going to be accountable to God one day. God, we've sinned against you. God, our as our entertainment industry, Lord, we have sinned against you. Lord, there is immorality on our television sets. It's in our music. It's on our video games. Lord, we ask you to forgive us for entertaining ourselves with those things that you say are wicked. God, we ask you to forgive us today for changing the definition of marriage and, 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 and declaring as holy what you have called unholy. God, we ask you to forgive us today for our immoral thoughts and actions. Forgive us, Lord, for a nation whom the biggest commodity on the Internet is pornography. Forgive us, God, today when we have not loved our neighbors ourselves. Forgive us for any racism, any racial hatred in America. God, we ask you to forgive us because we have allowed there to be 60 million babies murdered in the womb of their mother. God, would you forgive us? We humbly ask you today, Lord, to have mercy on America. We ask you to forgive our sin, God. We ask you to convict us. Come on, pray that right now. That the convicting power of the Holy Spirit would fall on America. It would fall first in the church house. That it would fall in the offices of business. It would fall in our hospitals. That it would fall in our places where entertainment is produced. It would fall on the streets of our inner city. God, that the Spirit of God would fall afresh on America today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. That's how Daniel prayed. He didn't stop there. Look at verse 13, uh, verse, four, uh, verse 11. He said, Israel has disobeyed your instructions. We've turned away. And, and this is a, a, a choice. We refuse to listen to your voice. And that's powerful. How many of the mess we got, we're in today started in the Garden of Eden when Eve made the wrong choice? She refused to obey God. We're still refusing to listen. So now solemn curses and judgments, I don't like this, written in the law of Moses have been poured out because of our sin. You've kept your word and you've done to us and our rulers exactly as you, as you warned. Never has there been such disaster as this happened in Jerusalem. There's a link, friends, between the sin of the people and the judgments that afflict the land. But friends, there's also a God in heaven, come on, that can restore that which has been broken. You see, sin has personal and national consequences. And I must ask, uh, uh, we must ask ourselves, has God perhaps reached his limit with America? 
We have taken the lives in the name of choice of 60 million young Americans in the womb. We have rejected God's plan for marriage and family. We have embraced sexual immorality and entertain, entertain ourselves with it. We've kicked God and the Bible out of our public school systems and our public square. And we wonder why our nation is in trouble. Friend, I suggest to you that the words I say to you are why our nation is in trouble. And the path out is to return to God. Somebody give the Lord a good hand today. Look at verse 13. This is Daniel's prayer, and he continues to pray. He said, every curse written against us in the law of Moses has come true. You see, some people don't fully understand who God is. I know we don't use coinage much in our society any longer, but how many know if you have a coin that has heads on both sides, it's not legitimate currency? Heads is on one side and tails is on the other side of that quarter, that nickel, that dime. Well, in the very same way, God is a loving merciful God he is kind for God so loved the world that he gave his only son whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life and when you flip it on that head it heads comes up 99 times but I'm telling you on the backside of that is a tails and the, it, it, it is a side of judgment and God just as God judged Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden God has judged sin throughout the history of the world and God has judged nations who shook their fist at him who defied him and who've turned their back on him but the wonderful thing today is that God wants to show mercy notice what he says verse 13 every curse that Moses wrote came true now here's a pivotal scripture we have refused. we've refused it We've refused God. We don't need God's help. We can do it ourselves. We're a secular society, and I give the illustration of a circle. And the secularist believes that there's nothing outside of the circle. Inside this circle is all these smart people and smart supercomputers and, 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 and smart scientists and experienced people and brainiacs and politicians. But there is nothing outside. There's no God outside of the circle. There's no creator. There's no sustainer. There's nothing out there. But all that we have and all that we know is in this circle. Therefore, we don't need anything outside of the circle. We've refused to seek your mercy by turning from our sins and recognizing his truth. See, the scripture is not just an ancient book. It is the word of God. Jesus said, your words are truth, and it is truth that sets people free. Verse 14, therefore God's brought the disaster upon the people, and the Lord was right to do all things, and we didn't obey him. I want to pause a moment. I want to think about this circle. I want to think about the pride that we have as human beings. In this circle is a problem that we're dealing with that we're not having tremendous success with right now. It's called COVID. Right now we're dealing with the second variant. I read this week that there's another variant that's coming. It's the Lambda, I think they call it. It's, 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 it's prevalent now in South America. Uh, they found a case in a hospital in, uh, uh, in Houston. Uh, now, the comments I'm going to make about COVID are not pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine. They're not pro-vitamins, anti-vitamins. They're none of, none of that. I just want to make an observation. And I want to say how grateful I am for all the microbiologists, the virologists, all the people that are educated people that are trying to find a way to bring this disease to stop it. Listen, friends, uh, I, I, I'm grateful. I take medicine. I'm grateful for any help I can get. And if an intelligent person tells me something that's going to help me get over COVID or anything else, I'm going to do it. 
But my friends, what we're doing so far is not taking care of the problem. The current COVID vaccine, what we're finding now is we're finding that many people that have it are getting sick. And now our government's telling us that there is a third booster shot needed. I hope it's going to help. There's, there's the uh, vitamins that we take. There's, there's other uh, medicines that may prevent the disease or may weaken it. Uh, we were supposed to wear masks. Uh, I read a study yesterday that basically said the mask may help a little bit, but unless you've got an N95 and it covers up everything, it's not helping completely, and even that won't help completely. Yet our government, now listen, our gov secular government right now represents the powers that govern things, and all they're telling us is get your vaccine or get fired, wear your mask or don't, or you can't go in the restaurant, or they're telling us to quarantine. And when we quarantined before, kids' suicide went up through the roof, uh, alcoholism went through the roof, drug abuse went through the roof and all these are problems that are inside the circle because those that are in power don't know what else to do I know what to do friends get on our knees and humble ourselves before God and say God we have sinned against you as a nation and as a people. Forgive us for our pride. We need your help. Lord, unless you just take it from the earth, would you anoint some virologist to come up with something that's going to work permanently so we can be normal, something that will protect our children and it won't cause birth defects or, or infertility or anything like that. We need you to intervene, Lord, in this problem today. The Bible says if we humble ourselves before the Lord, God will exalt us, but but if we humble ourselves, God, if we exalt ourselves, God will humble us. It's worth thinking about. America, like Israel, is at a spiritual crossroads. We can either stubbornly defy God or we can return to him. Look at verse 15, and I'll wrap this section up. Verse 15, and again, you know, he said this half a dozen times. We have sinned. We're full of wickedness. But in view of all your faithful mercies, come on now, Lord, please, everybody say, Lord, please, please turn your furious anger away from your city, Jerusalem. Oh, our God, hear our, your servant's prayer. We make this plea not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. Lord, hear, forgive, listen, and act. Listen, friends, I'm here to tell you today, history records that God was merciful to the nation of Israel when they returned to him. May God well be merciful to America if we turn our hearts back to him. Come on, give him a big hand today. I want to take the last few minutes and jump to the New Testament and share with you the words of what I believe are the four greatest uh, characters in the whole of the New Testament. John the Baptist, Jesus Christ, Peter, and the Apostle Paul. Because the solution to a nation's backsliding is repentance. This word returning to God we're talking about simply means repentance. The, the definition of repent, it means to be sorrowful for sin. The starting place before I can change it is to be sorrowful for it. And Have you ever prayed and just say, God, would you help me hate what you hate and love what you love? Have you ever gone to God and say, God, I, 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 I love doing bad things. But would you change my heart? You see, sin, the, the root of sin is deep within us. But how many know, listen, when I became a Christian, I just quit doing most of the crazy things I used to do. Not because I was scared of hell, but because I love Jesus and I found a better way. 
Repent is to be sorrowful for sin and return to God. It is a turnaround. Listen to the, John, the words of John the Baptist. Now, uh, I, I have read that uh, some scholars believe that John the Baptist baptized hundreds of thousands of people in the Jordan River. Listen to what he said. He came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. And what did he preach, verse 2? Repent. Yeah, everybody say it out loud. Repent of your sins and... Turn to God. The two work together. It's not just the, you know, feeling like I don't want, not supposed to do that. It's I'm not doing that because I'm following him. Return to God. For the kingdom of heaven is near. People from all over went to see and hear about John. And when they confessed their sins, starting place, he baptized them in water. He saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptized. He denounced them and he called them. Now, these were religious leaders. He said, you brood of snakes. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? See, what they were excellent at, they were excellent at wearing the sackcloth and ashes, but their hearts were not tender to God. They didn't have a hunger for God and a, and a love for righteousness. So he said this, and this is probably the, 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 the takeaway scripture from the whole day. Verse 8, prove by the way you live that you've repented of your sins and turned to God. In other words, I want to set myself on a course today that whether someone sees me in private or whether someone sees me publicly, my light is shining for Jesus the same all the time. My love for God is the same in the morning as it is in the evening. And things that are displeasing to God become displeasing to me. And if something I say, either curse words or gossip or slander, whatever the case may be, these things I'm changing because I'm being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to work my way into heaven. I'm going somewhere and I'm getting ready for a wedding that's coming up. Come on now. And I want to make myself ready for when Jesus comes for his bride. Uh, and now, what did Jesus say? Jesus, Peter, and Paul. Uh, Matthew 4. Jesus' first words when his public ministry started. Before he picked one disciple, guess what Jesus said? Jesus said, from then on, Jesus began preaching. Repent, Repent of your sins and turn to God. For the kingdom of heaven is near. The day of Pentecost, the day the church was born, 70 people praying in an upper room, thousands gathered around listening, and all of a sudden they're convicted of their sin. What did Peter say? Peter said, verse 38, repent, be baptized for every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And lastly, the great apostle Paul uh, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, evangelized the Gentile world. He's in uh, the, the company of idols, a city of idols in Athens. And he said, God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. I'd like to say that to America today. God's looking over the ignorance of the science, scientists that said the earth, the, the universe created itself. God's looking over the ignorance of the scientists that said during Roe versus Wade, it's fetal material in the womb, not a human being. God looked over ignorance before, but now he commands everyone, everywhere to do what? Repent. Repent and turn to him. How many say, I'm tracking with you today. That's what I want to do. I want to return to God. I want to repent of my sins. I want to follow Jesus with all my heart. Come on, give the Lord a good, a good hand today. He's worthy of praise. The message of repentance is missing in America today. You don't hear it very often on Christian television. You don't hear it very often in the pulpits of America. I got to be honest, people in my profession, pastors, many are afraid 
because people want a feel-good message. They want to be told everything is great and you're not going to have any problems and God is always going to be good and you're always going to be blessed and everything is going to be wonderful because God's wonderful and you're wonderful. Well, I want to tell you, friends, wonderful things are not happening in America right now and we need to be honest with ourselves. And listen, I want you to like me. I want to encourage you. I build you up. But more than you just liking me, I want to be truthful with you from the Word of God and I want to give you the whole truth of God's Word because how many know our lives and the future of our nation could well depend on what we do with this word of repentance. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Let me, let me conclude this very practically now. How do we return to God? You know, clearly, I mean, there are commandments in the Bible, but it's more than commandments. You know, I, I found that uh, uh, I love my wife, and there's things that, that she just... Um, she travels a lot. She's, she's a missionary. And I know she loves a clean house. And I know I have a philosophy that the reason you have a dozen dishes in your cabinet is so you can use a dozen dishes so the dishwasher is created for a dozen dishes. You kind of get what I'm saying here? But I know that there's certain things that I can do for her that says I love you. And when she comes home from her trips, 99% of the time, there's no dishes in the sink. The house is looking good. The car might have even got washed and vacuumed because I love her, not because she's commanded me to do it, listen now, but because I love her. And you know, the things that the Lord has asked us to do is not because he hates us and wants to take fun away from our life. Come on, the thou shalt not to the Bible are there to keep us safe, just like when you give your child a command to stay out of the street on their bicycle. I'm telling you, friends, his word will show us how to not only make God happy, but how for us to have a better life. But let me keep going from there. How do we return to God? And John the Baptist said it very plainly when he's talking about baptism. He said, start living God's way. Now listen to what he said. He said this to crowds of people, to tax collectors and soldiers. The crowd said, what should we do? And Jesus said, if you've got two shirts, give one to the poor. If you've got food, share it with the hungry. You say, pastor, that's returning to God? Something as simple as loving people like that? Absolutely. Uh, uh, to the tax collector, verse 12, they said, what should we do? And he said, don't collect any more taxes than the government requires. In other words, be honest on your job. Be responsible. Don't mistreat people. Don't abuse your power and authority. Is that returning to God, Pastor? Absolutely. And to the soldiers, John replied, don't extort money or make false accusations. Be content with your pay. Don't lie to get more money. Don't take advantage of people in the, in, with law. Uh, let the law be colorblind and you treat all people equal. So what he's simply saying is this, just live God's way. Just live the way God calls you to live. Treat your family the way God wants you to treat your family. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, show honor and respect to your husband. Children, obey your parents. Let your obedience turn into honor. Just live by the Bible. And I'll tell you, friends, repentance is, is, is an outflow of us turning our hearts to God, and it will change the nation Listen, let me leave one last thing and we'll close in prayer. Not just doing the right things, but getting close to God. Did, did you notice each time he said to repent, it said, and return to God? He said, well, how do I return? I'll tell you what will help you. When you get up in the morning, start out that first 30 seconds on your knees and say, God, today I can't do a thing without you. 
Get your coffee so you can be sane. You get your shower so you're ready to go. But before you get in the car, read your Bible. And if you've got some time at home, pray. But you might say, Pastor, we're just crazy and we don't have time to pray. Thank God you're in the car going to work. Turn off the radio and take some time and talk to God in prayer. Listen, you're doing part of this. You're coming to church on the weekend. Get involved in one of these small groups on Wednesday night. Get Christian fellowship as a part of your life. Because I guarantee you, the time of my life when my best friends were drinking and drugging and clowning, that's what I was doing. But then when my best friend started serving the Lord and being honest and treated women with respect, that's what I began to do. Start hanging out with the right people. And then serve the Lord with your time, your talent, and your treasure. Live the Jesus life. And what you'll find is you're doing what you do because you love the Savior that died on a cross so you could have eternal life. And as you and I return to God, it's going to affect our families. It's going to affect our neighborhood. It's going to affect our company. It's going to affect the places where we work, the ball team we play on. Before you know it, it might even affect Texarkana, USA. And it might even affect the United States of America. Come on, somebody give God praise today. He is worthy of all our praise. Hey, why don't you stand to your feet just a moment here? Listen, I've enjoyed this today. We're going to continue it next week. But don't think about Cracker Barrel for a minute, okay? I know that's the best biscuit this side of heaven, but I know there's going to be apple butter to marriage supper of the lamb, but don't think about Cracker Barrel right now. Don't think about what you're going to dip your tortilla in. I want to ask you a question. I want to give you a chance to be what the Bible says. Don't just be a hearer of the word of God. Be a doer. All I've done for 35, 40 minutes now is to talk to you about what the Bible says about a nation returning to God. And here's my question for you. What did the Holy Spirit say to you personally? Look at me now. What did the Holy Spirit say to you personally? I want you to bow your head for just a moment. And I want you to ask that question to the Lord. Say, Lord, what are you saying to me? What in my life, Lord, needs changing? Maybe it's your prayer life, your Bible reading. Maybe it's caring for the poor. Maybe it's treating people justly and fairly. I want you to just say yes those things that have come to your mind and say Lord I need you to help me because Lord I battle with this my sinful nature and sometimes it wants to pull me away from you but Lord Jesus will you help me now love you and serve you with all my heart and help me be the person that you created me to be and together we ask God that you would have mercy and forgive the sins of our nation and let us begin be one nation under God and we pray this in Jesus name and everybody say it Amen. I love you hang on just a second we're going to have a baby dedication here Amen. and then we'll yes, dismiss coming. you we have family coming up here remind you if you're a guest stop by connect room on the way out for that free gift and come Wednesday night to our uh, small group launch and we will have a prayer team down here if you want prayer afterwards but are you right with the Lord? Do you need to return to the Lord? Do you have Jesus in your heart? Do you have a relationship with him? If not, we'll pray for you. Stop by the cross. You don't want to leave here without knowing. You're 100% sure you're going to heaven. Well, amen. we got a big family up here. You want to just kind of 
introduce uh, who we got up here. Uh, I'm Dalton. This is our daughter, Oakland. This is Emily and the whole family. What's your name again, Emily? Oh, Oakland? Oakland. Amen. Sweet baby. Pastor, you want to say anything? But, you know, first of all, they brought Jesus. After he was born, the parents brought him to dedicate him to the Lord. And so I think this is a powerful setting when we dedicate, you know, a child to the Lord and dedicating a family. And as a church, we're dedicating to do our best, to, you know, with our children's programs and youth programs. But it's really a dedication to parents. And I think one of the best things is they see, she sees you reading your Bible and praying and you praying and leading them in that way. Never believed that the world is too bad for this baby to live in. God was able to keep Joseph in Egypt, and he continued to be a godly man. He kept Daniel as a slave in Babylon, and he continued to be a godly man. So as you as a family invest godly foundation in this little girl, she's going to be someone with a solution to America's problem, not part of the problem. God bless this little girl. Put your hands out. We'll just pray for this little one. We thank you for opening. We lay hands on her and just declare health, provision. Lord, we thank you for a blessing from the Lord. Lord, and we just pray there'll be angels minister to her needs and watching over her. Watch over these parents, Lord. And Lord, just uh, fill them with your spirit. Lord, that they will just have a close relationship with you, and this young one will see that. But Lord, we dedicate her to you, and we just declare blessings over her, health and provision. She be trained up in the way she should go, and she will not depart in Jesus' name. God bless all the family here, too, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're proud of you. God bless. Give him a hand. Amen. It's exciting. How old was this little one? Oakland, how old? A month old. Tiny little baby. Amen. I think mine's hitting three months now, my youngest granddaughter. Again, a prayer team's coming up here. Pastor Zach's going to come lead us in one more song. But if you're not right with the Lord, man, it's so simple to just humble yourself. Let pride stay in your seat and let humility walk you up to this cross. And we'll pray with you to get things right with the Lord. Come on, sing this out. It's higher than the mountains that I with us, but for everybody else, be dismissed at any time, and uh, we just pray that you have a blessed day today.